0: you know you've lived a long time when they start remaking movies they made when you were in high school. I know I had someone say to me, well, wait until they've remade the movie, they've remade the movie, they've remade the movie of. But one for me was in uh, high school, the Karate Kid movie, you know, kind of that, that uh, just iconic movie where you've got the wise elderly person teaching the young man and not using conventional things the old wax on wax off and and lessons were being learned and then a few years ago that was remade with jackie chan and jaden smith and uh the remake was really good too and uh, i really like this clip watch this clip from the newer version of the karate kid she used her chi on last night, didn't she? very good you gotta teach me that like how to control people There's only one person you need to learn how to control. Oh. Empty your mind. Flow with my movement. Connect to the energy around you. I kind of just want to learn the Cobra thing. Cobra takes a lifetime. Requires great focus. But I have great focus. Uh your focus needs more focus I really like that line your focus needs more focus maybe you've come in here uh, this morning you've joined us online and you feel like uh, your spiritual life has been a bit adrift maybe you felt like some apathy has set in God has seemed distant for you maybe your spiritual focus needs focus Well, we're going to talk today about another one of the spiritual practices that are a part of our lives as the followers of Jesus that we can cultivate and weave into our lives that help us grow in our faith. We're going to talk today about fasting. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew 6, we'll be in Matthew 6, and then we'll be in Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to talk today about this concept of fasting and what it is and how it is a part of our spiritual lives and can be a vital part of our spiritual growth. We're gonna talk about this in terms of its purpose. It's really for greater focus that God gives us this opportunity to draw closer to him through fasting for greater focus. And again, we'll be looking at Matthew 6 and Isaiah 58 and go there in your hard copies of the Bible, keep your hand in one place and look at the other. We'll start with Matthew 6. You can go there on your mobile device, a Bible app. And we're gonna be talking today about the spiritual practice of fasting. It's a part of what we've been looking at for several weeks now as we have been exploring the various spiritual disciplines and practices that help us grow in Jesus. Now, fasting has to do with abstaining from primarily food or something else to deepen and more uh, focus ourselves in our relationship with God. It's interesting, the word fasting, when it's used in Scripture, 99% of the time is accompanied by the word prayer, prayer and fasting, fasting and prayer. It's both used in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's used 77 times in the Bible, this word fasting. To give you an idea of its kind of prominence, the word baptism is used 75 times. So this is a prominent theme in the scriptures. Maybe you grew up in a tradition that talked about the spiritual practice of fasting. Maybe you didn't grow up in any Christian tradition so it sounds odd or weird to you. Maybe, like me, you grew up in a tradition where you would read it in the Scriptures but no one ever talked about it or talked about how fasting fit into the Christian life today. Well, we want to explore that. And as we do that, let's go back to what a spiritual practice is or a spiritual discipline, a healthy habit These are intentional behaviors, habits, or disciplines that help us walk with God and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. These are the things that we can cultivate in our lives. We're looking at 12 of them, and different lists of disciplines can go anywhere from 6 to 18. We're looking at 12, and and some may feel a little combined in, in our journey through this. Uh, the, The concept, though, is about us being in a posture and a place with these disciplines and using these things, these practices, for God to mold us and shape us and make us like Jesus. Now, it is God's spirit within the child of God that transforms us from the inside out so that we can live and love like Jesus wherever we go. But you have to have his spirit in you. The Scriptures say that when we come to this place that we know we're sinners and we put our faith in Christ that he died, was buried, and was raised for us. Ephesians 1 says that when we come to that place, the Holy Spirit is put into our lives. He comes and lives within us. God the Holy Spirit that we just sang about a few moments ago. And when he comes in, he is the guarantee, the down payment. Who, he, his presence is with us until we are forever in heaven with God. And he is that guarantee that we are God's child. But we come to that place where we have his spirit within us when we put our faith in Jesus and we trust him, we experience his forgiveness. You can't even begin to be molded or to truly become like Christ from the inside out until you know Christ and his spirit is in you. So if you're here this morning and maybe you've been wrestling with with putting your trust in Christ as your personal savior, do so today. You can't begin this journey of being transformed into the likeness of Christ and letting him be seen in you until you know him and you have his spirit. We'll have some care team members down front after the service. They'll be glad to pray with you about anything, but specifically, they'd love to pray with you and celebrate if today's the day you come to Jesus. I'll be out on the patio. I can talk with you there. Uh, Perhaps you're joining us online or you're in the room and need to slip out right after the service. You can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen and we'll follow up and, and uh, share some resources with you of how you now walk in Christ and you journey with God and you allow the Holy Spirit to grow you and shape you and make you more like our Savior. This, this discipline of fasting is unique in these these various disciplines because it brings focus to our focus. You see, the practice of fasting is abstaining from something in our lives so that we take our eyes off the things of this world to focus completely on God. Now, I said abstain from something in our lives, the regular part of our lives. Primarily in the Scriptures, it would be food. There were other things, including physical intimacy within marriage, according to 1 Corinthians 7. It was a a way in which a couple could focus on God, but then there's also a warning not to abuse that within the relationship. But for us today, it could be food, it could be social media, it could be the news, it could be politics, it could be a hobby. The point is that something in your regular routine is disrupted, So that you, when you go to do this regular thing, you recognize the disruption and say, okay, why why am I not eating again? Oh yeah, because I'm going before God in prayer. Why am I not engaging in social media besides the fact that it could be healthy for me? (laughs) Because I normally do this at this time. As soon as I I get home, I sit down and I look at Facebook or as soon as I get up in the morning. you, You think then about that time of focusing on the eternal things of God and allowing this to disrupt your life to the point that you get your eyes off the stuff of this world and you get your heart and mind focused completely on God. Richard Foster in his celebration of discipline who talks through various uh, spiritual practices says this about fasting, the central idea in fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. There is nothing wrong with any normal life functions. It is simply that there are times we set them aside in order to concentrate to concentrate on God to make sure that our spiritual focus is truly focused Bill Bright who has some great resources on fasting and some of those are available to you and I'll share that with you toward the end of the message but Bill Bright the founder of Crew said fasting reduces the power of self so that the Holy Spirit can do a more intense work within us you see, in fasting, when we deny ourselves something that is normal and usual and regular in our lives, it grabs our attention and it allows us to, again, yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit to work in us and mold us and shape us and make us like Christ. Ultimately, fasting is more about God getting our attention than it is about us getting his Hear that again. Fasting is more about God getting our attention regarding a need we have, something that's weighing us down, a decision we must make. It's more about us focusing on God than us getting God to focus on us. You see, the the scriptures warn us that fasting, like many of the spiritual disciplines, can be inappropriately used. If you look at Matthew 6, Matthew 6 and verse 16, Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this in verse 16, when you fast. Now that's interesting. Jesus assumes that we are fasting. Nowhere in the scriptures is there a command to fast, but the scriptures assume fasting is a part of the regular rhythm and routine. Uh, of a child of God so he says when you fast do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting truly I tell you they receive their reward in full but when you fast when you do this put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you Now, the hypocrites that he's referencing are the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. We know from rabbinic literature that on the second and fifth days of the week, the Pharisees would fast, and they would do so in such a way that they'd kind of wear disheveled clothes, they'd mess up their hair, they wouldn't bathe, um, they looked like life was heavy, they were suffering, they were were sacrificing, and so they wanted everybody to know, oh, I'm fasting today, oh, my stomach is grumbling, oh, and they, they put on this show, it's interesting that was the second and fifth day of the week i wonder why they picked that it happened to also be the busiest two days of the market in jerusalem and jesus is saying don't be like that wash your face comb your hair go about your normal business this is between you and god and so fasting is a very personal thing as we focus on god that doesn't mean we can't call for a season of fasting together or with others, but it's still meant to be personal between us and God. It's not something to demonstrate how spiritual you are. Then in Isaiah 58, the Lord is talking to his people and and he's speaking to them about how they have gone through the motions of fasting, but it really hasn't been a heartfelt, God-directed fasting. We read it in Isaiah 58, verses three through nine. And this is the people of God speaking. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? God, God, we've done what we should do in fasting and you haven't paid attention. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. He says, Look, you can't just go through the practice of some ritual and then think that's what makes the connection. And he's saying, You you can't focus on God and then come away and mistreat others and ignore others in your life. And he says in uh, verse five Is this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Then he says, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? Now he says, here's what will come out of genuine fasting, a genuine focus on God, abstaining from something in this life to focus on God. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away your own flesh and blood." Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. We just sang about Christ before me. He guides us, Christ behind me. In the ancient world, that spoke of protection, that that we're not being attacked from the, the, the rear. It says, the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk, he's saying, look, you're going through all the, the right motions. You're going through the rituals, but you are missing the point. You shouldn't be able to focus on me and then show disdain and a lack of compassion for others. It goes to the, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And after that, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't focus your focus on God in an intense way in the exercise of fasting and then come out of that and be rude and cold and cruel and, and uncaring to others. And so there are some warnings around fasting and really fasting of all the discipline, probably disciplines has probably all the inherent dangers that any one of them have can be found in fasting. Matter of fact, these dangers can be found in any of the disciplines. Some dangers in the spiritual practices we've been talking about, like community and worship and Bible engagement and prayer and rest and confession, and now even fasting, some of these things can be inappropriately used What are some of the dangers regarding spiritual practices? Well, when we make them an end rather than a means. See, the goal is not to fast. The goal is not just to pray. The goal is not just to rest. Those things are means by which we position ourselves with the spiritual practices for God to work in our lives, for the Holy Spirit to transform and change us so people see more of Jesus in us Each day, our goal isn't to fast. Our goal isn't to pray. Our goal is to become like Jesus. And these are the things that help us be in position for God to mold us and make us more like his son. Secondly, there's a danger that we see these things as rigid legalistic rules. Some people will establish such rules around like fasting or even prayer or confession and whatever it is and that's a danger to these spiritual practices or we turn them into hollow rituals. We just do them. One of the great seasons that many people will choose to fast from something is Lent. We talk about what are you giving up in the Lenten season? But if you do that just out of hollow ritual, uh, there's danger in that. There's an emptiness in that. You're not actually saying, as we think of the sacrifice of Christ for us and his victory over the grave for us, we're, we're going to abstain from something to focus on him. Instead, it becomes a hollow ritual. We're not to use them to impress others. That was really clear in Matthew 6. Clean yourself up, look normal, look like uh, you do every other day. Do this before the Lord. We shouldn't use any of these, especially fasting, to try to impress others. And we shouldn't get caught up in one to the exclusion of others. I've met people, their whole spiritual life is in one or two areas of the spiritual disciplines or practices, and they ignore whole other sections. And that will leave us less than the well-rounded follower of Christ that God intends us to be. And finally, none of the spiritual disciplines should in any way harm another person. That's the point of Isaiah 58. You, you can't say, I, I'm so serious about God, I'm so focused on God, I'm leaning into Him, and then turn around. Be uncaring, overlook the marginalized, not care about injustice, not care about the needs of people around you. Let me just share with you, these are not on your take note if you're following along, but they will show up on the screen. just want to share with you six outcomes in our relationship with God from fasting. First, uh, there is focus, as we've been talking about. You, you, You abstain from something of this world, food, social media, whatever it is, for a season, for a time, for a day, so that you can focus on God in a greater way. Humility. When we say, okay, Lord, you are more important than these things. We humble ourselves before God. There's sacrifice. We're giving up something. We're saying, I, I'm gonna put this aside, this thing that is a regular part of my life. It's not necessarily bad in and of itself, but, but I wanna focus on you, God, so I'm gonna sacrifice my time or my energy or, or my taking of this to focus on you. There's trust that develops. You know, in the ancient world and in the developing world today, uh, there are people who won't skip a meal because they don't know if the next meal is coming. And so when in the ancient world or in the Scriptures, we read that they were fasting, there was a level of trust that was being developed. Lord, we're giving up food, something very basic that we're not sure we'll have tomorrow, but we trust you. Which leads to the fifth thing, and that is dependence. As we fast, whatever we're cutting out of our lives, abstaining for for a season, that helps us say, Lord, these things are a part of my life. Food is very important. Uh, Lord, many of these things that that we talk about that we can fast from, they're very important in our lives. But you, we depend upon you recognizing that every good and gift comes from you. Then the final and sixth thing is, as I mentioned, kindness flows out of our relationship in fasting before God. We abstain for something for a day, a season, a period of time. Let me share with you biblical reasons. Things These come out of some of the stories of Scripture and the pages of Scripture, but some biblical reasons for fasting. Number one, to give more time to prayer. That's probably the most common biblical thing that comes out of fasting is more time for prayer so the idea is if you say okay every Tuesday for six weeks I'm not going to eat lunch and I'm going to fast during that time to focus on God then the point is that you then at that time pause and pray and talk to God and when you're not eating that meal part of that disruption in your life is to draw your attention to eternal things to the things of God give more time to prayer in 2 Chronicles 20 Jehoshaphat king of Judah faces three enemies that any one of them would be a challenge, but all three of them can destroy the nation of Judah. The generals say, there's no way we can take them on. Jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do, so he calls the people to Jerusalem. They stand before the temple of God. He said, let's stand here, let's pray, let's fast, and let's just wait upon our God. There was a focus of their focus. And God speaks to an individual in the crowd, then God leads them on to a great victory that he delivers to them over these great enemies. But fasting was a part of that, and it allowed them to to abstain from eating but focus on prayer and take their need to God. Then in Ezra, we have Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, and Ezra who are leaders uh, after the captivity of 70 years when God used foreign nations to judge his people, and he had prophesied that they would return to the land and they would rebuild Jerusalem, the temple and the walls. One of those leaders was Ezra. And, And as the Persian king was giving him permission to take those who've been held in captive, captivity for seven decades back and to begin to rebuild Jerusalem. He realizes that there may be problems on their way there, there may be problems of some of the people groups who don't want to see Jerusalem rebuilt, but he understands the importance that God wants to bring the Messiah of the world through his people and that the, the city of Jerusalem needs to be a bright, shining light on the hill again. And, and so he asks that the people fast and pray even as they journey back to the land of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And we read in Ezra 8:23, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. It gives us more time to pray. Someone has put it this way, fasting detaches you from this world, prayer reattaches you to the next world. Fasting allows us to step back and say, okay, this is not all there is. The physical things of this world, the relationships of this world, if it's social media, the politics of this world, if you you turn off the news for a season. These things could be very important, but I'm going to step back and realize there is something higher and greater in the spiritual realm, in the eternal things of God. I'm going to take my eyes off the temporary, and I want to see the eternal. And that's part of what fasting does for us in drawing us into prayer. Secondly, the second biblical reason for fasting is to demonstrate sincerity of repentance. That we see our sin, we're broken, we say, God, I see this sin, I'm going to turn from it, and I'm going to turn to your righteousness and to walk with you again. God even told his people to do that, to fast in a season of repentance, in Joel 2, 12 to 13, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments, return to the Lord your God, for he is, a gracious and compa- he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And Some of you have been at a place of sin where there is a brokenness and mourning and even tears over the relationships that have been damaged, the people who've been hurt the guilt you feel before God, and then as you confess it and turn and repent from it, there may even be a season where you say, okay, I'm not gonna eat the next couple of meals because I'm gonna spend my time on my face before God confessing my sin and repenting of it. That's a biblical concept related to fasting, one of the reasons. Thirdly, there is a desire in fasting to gain clear wisdom and guidance from God. When you're reaching a crossroads and you don't know what to do and you've got this opportunity or that opportunity, to go to this job or that job or to live in this place or that place, and you're really seeking God's guidance. Abstaining from something to get your focus on God can be helpful. Moses did this on Mount Sinai, as recorded in Exodus 34. He fasted, waiting upon God to provide the law. And then you have in the New Testament early church, the book of Acts, on several occasions. As the, the leaders of the church are trying to make a decision, they spend time praying and fasting, seeking God's direction and guidance and wisdom. Fourthly, the fourth reason for fasting, according to the scripture, is to express grief in a season of mourning or loss. To express grief in a season of mourning a loss. When David was on the run from his father-in-law, King Saul, though David knew he was to be Saul's replacement, Saul was jealous of him and trying to kill him and and David had become very good friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, his his brother-in-law. Of course, he's married to Saul's daughter. And when the Israelites and the Philistines go into a great battle and and David is kind of on the sidelines watching in that battle, Saul and Jonathan are killed. And we read in 2 Samuel 1, verses 11 and 12, how David mourned. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Let me just say that I know a number of you have lost loved ones and it's been awkward to even remember them with memorials and things in the last 18 months. We've had a number of folks in our body die of covid and Many of you have mourned the loss of a spouse or a loved one. Even in the last few weeks, we've had a few folks who, have been a, who are part of the Calvary family who COVID has taken their lives. We've had a number of folks who are part of Calvary who a family member at a distance somewhere else have passed. And so there's been a lot of mourning. And let me just say your church grieves with you and mourns with you. And we pray for you as leaders on our team And I I get it when sometimes there's a loss, you just don't feel like eating, and by not eating, it even draws attention to the heartache you feel as you go before God and the pain and, and the mourning you experience. The fifth biblical reason for fasting is to remain resilient during times of temptation and testing. Before Jesus launched his earthly public ministry at around age 30, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasts, and the Spirit of God ministers to him there and then Satan tempts him there and so when we go through seasons of temptation and trial it's appropriate to set aside uh, so many meals over a couple of days or or a meal on the same day over successive weeks or or to abstain from social media or something else in such a way that it disrupts us and, and we think about the trials we're going through and we go before God laying them before him. Sixth is the sixth biblical reason for fasting is to receive a unique pouring out of God's protection or power. A unique pouring out of God's protection or power. The story of Esther in the Bible is a beautiful story. During the time of captivity, the Medes and Persians take over. Ahasuerus, who's the emperor of the world at the time, uh, he, his people had taken over for the Babylonians and the nation of Israel had been Uh, Devastated, the people of Israel have been devastated. And he marries, Ahasuerus marries a Jewish woman named Esther. She becomes the queen. But her relative Mordecai finds out that uh, someone has tricked the king into an edict that will destroy and kill all the Jews. And again, God was preserving the Jewish people to provide the path for the Messiah to be the redeemer of the whole world. And so God had other plans. But in real time, uh, Esther is is at a moment where she has to make a decision. She can go in and tell the king who cares for her what's going to happen to her people and ask him to change the edict. But the problem is when you go in before the king, the law says if you haven't been invited, then you should be executed. But if you haven't been invited and he extends his scepter to you, then he receives you. But she didn't know how this was gonna go. And so she says in Esther 4, 15 to 16, we read, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. She says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. You guys fast, we will fast, we will pray for three days. Then when the three days and three nights are over, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She goes in, the king extends the scepter and he removes the edict of having the Jews removed and the scriptures there in chapter four of Esther say she was there for just the time as this, for that moment in history. She needed God's protection, she needed God's power. She fasted and prayed. The seventh biblical reason for fasting is to eliminate distractions in your walk with God. Habakkuk 3 even talks about how food and, and work and the basic things of life can distract us from God and we gotta be careful to make sure that we have that focus of our focus on God. Someone has said we starve the flesh to feed the soul. You re- refrain from something, abstain from something, whatever it is, for a season or a time so that you can feed the soul and concentrate spiritually and getting rid of the distractions in your life that would distract you from your walk with God. Eighth, and finally, to see the needs of others more clearly, just as we saw in Isaiah 58. When you fast, for whatever reason, ultimately, as you take your need to God, you begin to have eyes and notice the needs of those around you, those who are suffering, those who are marginalized, those who are suffering injustice, those who are overlooked, those who are in need. That comes out of our fasting. I probably drive some of our IT and tech guys crazy here at Calvary because I love gadgets. I even love beta versions of software. So recently, you know, the iOS 15 was released about a week ago and I got into the beta part of that because I'm so interested in the new things that will be a part of the operating system of the iPhone. One of the features that was released on the iPhone and now even on the new uh, Monterey uh, version of the Mac OS for the Mac computer, one of the things they've released is this new feature called Focus. Now you remember if, if you've got an iPhone and I don't know how it works on that other thing called Android, I don't know why anyone would have one of those. Um <laughs> If you know on the iPhone there's a do not disturb and you can, you can hit the do not disturb button and it, it makes it so that while you're working or you're doing something, nobody can text you, call you, no notifications pop up, no weather warnings. It just it turns, out, turns off the outside world so you can, you can not be disturbed. Well, in the new feature, the new uh, feature called Focus... You can actually pick times or you can turn it on and you can have some uh, some title for a focus you want. So I created one called Preaching. Created a couple weeks ago. So it's 6 o'clock to 7.30 on Saturday nights, 9 o'clock to 10.30 on Sunday mornings, and 11 to 12.30 on Sundays. With my iPad, I have the preaching focus on. So nothing can disturb me except for apps or communications I want to disturb me. Now, I've been using an iPad over the last couple of years instead of carrying the real Bible because they don't make a Bible print big enough for me anymore. And so I can make it as big as I want on here. And I have my notes in pretty good size font. But what has happened over the years As I would find myself up here teaching and all of a sudden get a weather update or I get breaking news or something pops up and it just, you know, kind of distracts me. So I set this preaching focus and I made it in this focus so that no pieces of software applications can send me notifications. But my wife, Leslie, can text me while I'm up here. She can tell me if something's going on that I need to know about or, you know, warn me. Uh, Curtis Johnson, our executive pastor, he can Text me because there might be something he wants me to know about while I'm up here, so it's a great feature. Matter of fact, last night he wasn't on campus and he was watching somewhere, maybe at home, and he, while I'm up here and talking about this, all of a sudden I got a text from Curtis that said, Hi, Sean. <laughs> so it works. And then Diane Johnson, who does a great job at the back, and very few people know who she is, but she works back there and helps coordinate all the different screens that are happening and, and producing all those things that you see. And she used to be able to, at times on the monitors in front of me, which usually show what's up here, she used to send me a message, you missed 0.3. You know, and I'd go back and pick up 0.3. But now with this new focus feature, I have it so Diane Johnson can text me, and she texted me last night while I was talking to tell me I did indeed miss 0.5 in, in what I was saying of one of my lists of six or seven. And um, it's it's such a unique feature. It, it helps us focus. And when it comes to fasting, fasting is the discipline that God gives us that allows us to abstain and, and to allow some of the noise of our lives, even the good things, the positive things of our lives, to be removed for a moment, a season a space to give us an opportunity to focus our hearts and our minds on God and remember, ultimately, it's God getting our attention, not us getting God's attention. So then, if these various reasons that we find biblically for fasting, how then would we go about fasting? And maybe for some of you, you have fasted, and this is a wonderful part of your Christian experience and walk, but for, maybe for others of you like me, it was never taught when you were young, or maybe you came to Jesus later in life, and you're saying, okay, how is this going to work into my life, Sean? I hear what you're saying about Esther and Jehoshaphat and all these other people, but how does this work in my life? Well, let me give you a few suggestions to the basic flow of fasting. Number one... Choose from what you will fast. Will it be food? Will it be social media? Will it be exercise? You say, well, I've got to exercise. Well, I mean, if you were to, if you exercise every day at the same time or every Tuesday and Thursday at the same time, if you were to fast from that on that day once, once uh, a month or something, that would be a time. You, there, if, if, remember, food's a good thing too. The point here is, is that you abstain from something that is helping you focus your needs, your attention, your burdens to the Lord. Choose from what you'll fast. Secondly, determine the extent and rhythm of your fasting. You're going to fast for a couple of days in a row? Are you going to fast every lunch for a week? Are you going to fast every lunch on Tuesday for six weeks? Are you going to say, okay, three weeks, I'm not going to look at Facebook, I'm not going to look at social media, I'm going to fast from that so that it'll help me focus and draw my heart closer to my God? Determine the extent and rhythm of your fasting. Also, let me say with this, you you need to also recognize that the the purpose of fasting is not to harm us medically. Whatever you fast from, even if it's food, if you're a diabetic or you have some other issue that deals with the intake of food into your life and it can really cause you some health issues, you need to consult your doctor to do this. The point wasn't that we somehow physically harm ourselves So that then God will notice us. This is not some great spiritual temper tantrum that we're throwing so that our heavenly Father will notice us. So as a part of the extent and rhythm of your fasting, you need to be wise. It's not about uh, causing yourself pain or medical difficulty. It's about disrupting your life with something that's a part of the regular routine so your attention is drawn to your God. Replace the thing from which you fast with prayer. Don't just turn off the social media. But if your screen time has been telling you, if you go use that part of iOS or, or of your computer, you find out, oh, I, use, I, I look at social media about an hour a day. Well, then pray an hour a day. Say, whoa, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know what's going on with my friends. And, but it would give you focus. If that's the time you'd have lunch, then take that time to pray. Focus on seeing God's will over your wants. Again, this isn't us trying to hold our breath until we turn blue and somehow God says, okay, okay, I'll give you whatever you want. No, this is about me saying, God, here's a burden, here's a decision, here is something for which I'm fasting, and I need you, I need your will, I need your direction, I need your plan. And ultimately, we say what we say when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Focus on God's will over your wants. Fifth, refrain from telling others what you're doing. Refrain from telling others what you're doing. That was the point of what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Don't look like you're fasting. When I was in high school, um, you know, the movie Mean Girls that talked about the different tables, you know, with all the cool girls here, all the jocks there, and then all the whatever over here, and then over here are the, the odd people, and then over here are the very odd people. Well, I was at the very, very odd people table over here, mostly made up of kind of religious geeks from all different stripes. And in our group was one guy named Dante and his church's tradition was on Thursdays they fasted all day. So at lunch, Dante would come with this empty tray, sit down at the table and just bang the empty tray down. I'm fasting. He wanted us all to know this was his church's day to fast and he was fasting. When we fast, it's supposed to be something that draws us closer to God, not as something we use to impress others. By the way, I eventually, if you feel bad for me, being at the very odd, odd table, by my senior year, I made it just to the very odd table. Um, I moved up in the social strata of high school. I made it. But refrain from telling others what you're doing so that you can focus on God. Now, that doesn't mean if someone says, well, why aren't you eating? You're having lunch with them and they order and you say, I have nothing. Why aren't you eating? I can't tell you. They're worried, you know, you're dying or something. And there's a way to say to someone, you know, right now I'm just refraining from eating. It's just something I'm doing in my own walk with God. You know, I'd also say, you know, don't schedule. If you, if you plan to fast every Tuesday for six weeks, don't plan, you know, business lunches every Tuesday for six weeks. <laughs> Makes it very complicated. Six, find ways to serve others because of your fasting. Find ways to serve others because of your fasting. Again, fasting is not about us. It's about God, and ultimately then, as we come out of that intimate leaning into God, focusing on God, we get his eyes, we get his heart for others. And then we minister to others, the people around us, our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, our family members. They see us loving them in a greater way. Find ways to serve others because of your fasting. Now let me give you some, just some next steps, some resources we put together, and I'll tell you where these resources are in just a moment. But a couple next steps. Number one, read various scriptures regarding fasting. Go back and read, and maybe even read some of these stories that I've referenced. We'll give you that in just a moment. You can look at the scriptures, especially if you grew up in a setting where maybe you read over them quickly, and you didn't see them, and what they were actually doing when it says, and they fasted for three days. And then check out the webpage on fasting, our young adult ministry created earlier this year. Earlier this year, our young adult ministry over several weeks spent uh, their teaching series on Thursday night on fasting as a part of the Christian life. And they put together a wonderful webpage with some great resources. And uh, again, I'll tell you how you can find that in a moment. Thirdly, choose to pray and fast for one meal once a week for six weeks. If, if you've never fasted before, and you say, this has never been a part of my life, Then here's a way to commit yourself afresh to prayer and just take one meal one day a week for six weeks, and instead of eating for that half hour, get on your knees and pray. Talk to God. Just take, here's a way for those of you who have never been exposed to this, it's never been a part of your Christian life, to stretch your spiritual muscles and take some baby steps. And fourthly, find something other than food from which to fast for greater focus. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's the news. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something else. But find something that's different than food and, and choose to abstain from that to focus your focus on God. Now, these resources, the scriptures I've mentioned, the resources the Young Adult Ministry put together, these are available at calvarywestlake.org. That's the website we've created for each week. We're giving you next steps, and you can find all four of these suggestions Uh, there and the resources associated with them including that Bill Bright resource that I talked about earlier in the message. Some of you may remember in the 1990s there was a fad. The the fad really came from a book originally. It was called The Magic Eye. Do you remember the Magic Eye book? There were a series of them. There were these graphics with all these colors and patterns and when you just glanced at these colors and patterns you, you didn't see anything. But like this one, uh, this kind of pattern would would be an example of this, and uh, this kind of green thing. Now, if you're looking at that, I don't know if you can see what's there. How many of you remember these from the 90s? Kind of a fad thing. They were on posters and postcards and all kinds of things. How many of you could never see these things? That's the right to admit that, yeah. For a long time, I couldn't see it, and I was early in ministry at the time, and um, somebody on our, our pastoral staff I was saying, I can't see this. I, you know, I, I, People see this, the, the students see it, I can't see it. And, and they said, "Well, you gotta do is get it pretty close to you and you gotta make sure nothing else, no other movement, you can't see anything else. And then you just keep staring at it and eventually as you stare at it, a 3D image will emerge. Well, on that first one I just showed you, this one that's back here, that one, if you stared at it long enough, you see an airplane emerge from it. Could anybody see the airplane from where you're seated? It's kind of hard because, you, again, you gotta get your focus so tight on it. This, this other one that I came across I thought was pretty cool. This is a little harder to see, at least it was for me. This one is of a tricycle. If you stare at that long enough, a little tricycle pops out. Again, where you are, and maybe at home you can see it a little better where you are, especially if you're up close or you're holding maybe your iPad or iPhone up close as you're watching in that way, you can see that tricycle pop out. You see, the focus has to be so intense that the distractions are removed. And as you focus, then you see clearly. And fasting is that spiritual discipline that allows us to focus our focus to the point that as we seek out God, what he wants and what his will is emerges more clearly for us. And remember that as you fast, as you abstain from something, to let your focus concentrate on your God and to walk with him. Ultimately, it's not about us getting his attention. It's about his getting our attention. Take some steps in this area of fasting. Allow God to grow your focus and your intimacy with him. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus that he came to us, that he's the one who even in the Sermon on the Mount talked about things like prayer and fasting, that he got away and spent time with you, that, Lord, we even see in his life these patterns of these spiritual disciplines. Thank you for the example of Christ. Thank you that we can know you through Jesus. And I pray for folks maybe who have practiced fasting for a long time. Maybe it's been a wonderful part of their development with you and how the Spirit of God has changed them. May you continue to bless them and encourage them. May they take some of the things, maybe a different angle today that they heard and apply that to their lives. But I also pray for those who perhaps have never attempted to fast for a spiritual purpose. Allow them to take the baby steps to grow, to to meet you in that moment as they lean in. Father, we want our lives to be focused on the things that are important to you. When we go through the stuff of this world, sometimes it's hard to see you in the midst of that. Bless us as we seek to lean in. May your spirit even use fasting in our lives to grow us and make us like Jesus. We pray in Christ's name, amen.